0: Good morning. Uh, I'm going to, let me read the uh, passage we're going to talk about today, and then I'll tell you all the reasons I don't like it. (laughs) I guess that's fair. (laughs) Ah, Another cheerful morning here at the sanctuary. Won't that be nice? All right, let's just all get uplifted. Ruining all the good vibe that Vince and his friends just created for us. This is found in Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. This passage, like maybe every passage in the Bible, in some way talks about what we call the gospel, the translation of what we say is the good news. Those of you that have maybe, like me, been around the Christian faith for a long time and maybe came through the stream of the Christian faith that I did, which was a more conservative, evangelical, almost fundamentalist strain, I, I believed that, that the gospel was this linear idea, this, this, this beginning and end. That I, um, I, I believed something in the past and that's really all I had to do. That's, I didn't revisit that. I didn't live in that. I just did something then and then I just moved forward. When I was in college and even in seminary, there was a, a way in which they talked about it. It was called the scale of evangelism or the scale of telling good news. and It was a tool where you could sort of discern where people were as it related to their understanding or coming to faith in Jesus. So the scale started at negative 10. Negative 10 was somebody who not only didn't believe in God, but was mad at you if you did. Like the, the kind of the hostile atheist. That was negative 10. And then I think negative five was somebody who was maybe open to the idea or began to believe in the idea of a, of a theism, of a God. And, and then somewhere around zero was somebody who was willing to look at the story of Jesus. And I think like plus three was somebody who came to confess that Jesus was, in fact, God, what we might call this moment where somebody trusted Christ or became Christian. And then I think plus five is when they began to tell other people about Jesus. And, and then 10 is when they gave the church lots of money or something. I don't know. <laughs> so. And so that was a you know, way to think about it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I used, to, I used to kind of think like this, and then I, this, and oh, then I had this big moment, and then like that. then, but here's the problem. I don't know that I ever got to plus 10, but I bet you, I bet you I've been pretty close. Like, I went to seminary, so I get a good, like, I, I had a good running start and got all the way to seven, I'm sure, at some point in my life. <laughs> and I'm feeling really good about my sevenness, and then I wake up one morning, un, unprepared to be struck with this thought. Oh, this cannot be true. Like, like you know, you start, you start going, oh, wait, wait. Like, there's a God who made all of this? This may not be your story, I'm just telling you my story. Like I have woken up post-seminary at pretty close at least negative seven questioning everything. I have found in my experience that once I've passed through one door, I, it doesn't mean I never go back. I, I think for me, if I'm going to be honest in a story like this, what's happened is I've read this story, and it, if it is only an occurrence that happened in the past, it's a cute story, but it's not that helpful. But if it's a story, I also live. If I enter that story that way, if I see the, the, this thing called the gospel as a story I live in all the time, re-believing and re-not-believing, then this story Is helpful so I bring to this story my own resistance to the story (laughs) this is a terrible title it's not gonna go on the thing Glenn but it's kind of like why I don't like the gospel you see I don't like the gospel because while I kind of like Jesus I don't like his fans Lots of people today would, would resonate with a statement similar to that is, "I like Jesus, but I don't like the people who like Jesus." The story opens with, 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 the, with the Messiah coming, And, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to sit down today. I'm just wound up. So um, <laughs> I'm going to channel my inner Peter. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody's going going, "Oh crap, I wanted to get out of here." Anyhow. Um, So, I, uh, (laughs) we love you, Peter, we love you, Peter, yeah, yeah, just believe the gospel, hang on to that, all right, so now we are, (laughs) so here comes the Messiah, so picture this, here comes the Messiah, the, 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 the rabbi, and, and his fame has preceded him, There's stories, and you know how stories are, I'm guessing stories now had gotten bigger than they actually were, which would be hard to do, but that's just how stories go, and, you know, people coming to life, and, and, you know, amazing crazy stuff, but people wanted to see that, all right? So, so Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but the crowd of fans of Jesus are so tightly sort of shoulder to shoulder that they're not willing to make room, and we're going to talk about why in just a minute, where they're not willing to make room for somebody who they don't like. So just hang on to that for a minute. We're going to really unpack that, why they don't like Zacchaeus, but a little preview. He's despicable. He's not like the little guy you learned about in vacation Bible school or Sunday school. He's not cute. There's nothing adorable about Zacchaeus. He's despicable. But the fans of Jesus do not want a despicable person getting close to Jesus. They've got that done. And he can't get there. What, What we connect with is this intuition that really pretty much universally irritates everybody and that's when we sense self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is perhaps the biggest turnoff to the gospel. I, I think I've shared this years ago here before, but it, it was an experience I had when I was graduating seminary. When I was graduating seminary, there was Just a lot of hoops you have to jump through at the end. You know, you got to go to these rehearsals and fill out paperwork and you have to get a robe and all this. It just felt like silliness. And I was supposed to be in Ridgeway, Colorado for, um, I was supposed to speak at something, in Ridgeway, Colorado, southwest corner of Colorado, had to be there at 7 o'clock. They probably wanted me there a little before 7 o'clock, but that's when the event started. And I didn't get out of seminary, which at that time was at University in Hamden, until after 3 o'clock. You cannot imagine how slowly people drive between Denver and Ridgeway, Colorado. Like, it's just mind-numbing that people have nothing to do with their lives, that they're just poking along, looking at birds or trees. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not trying to get there today. And it, it's just, it, was, it was infuriating. And I've got a little 78 Datsun B210 or something like that that has barely four cylinders, and I'm trying to get there, and I... It was exhausting, the tension I felt at how poorly people know how to drive in the mountains. And you know what it feels like when you see somebody and you're behind somebody in the mountains and they have a, let's just say a Texas license plate. That's just it. That just, <laughs> oh God, it just puts you over the edge. And so I did, I did my thing and then I woke up the next day and I, I didn't have anything on my calendar. And. Southwest Colorado, where I was, by the way, next to the maroon bells, is the most photographed part of our state. It is the most spectacular scenery. It's unbelievable. It's beautiful. You can't imagine how fast people drive between... That beautiful spot in Denver. They're not absorbing the beauty. You, you can't believe that people are in such a hurry to get back to Denver that they're missing the, 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 the creation that is all around them. That, that how upset they are at you for enjoying the creation. And people honking at me and wanting me to move over and telling me I'm number one but not in a nice way. And... How do you know when someone <coughs> is driving too slowly? If they're driving slower than you. How do you know if they're driving too fast? When they want to pass you. Did you know that close to 90% of all Americans believe they are better than average drivers? (laughs) Seldom do you sit in your car going, God, I wonder if I'm any good at this. (laughs) You, You never offer, if you're married, you've never gotten into a fight going, wow, baby, you are such a better driver than me. Because, see, we intuit that we know all about driving. And the reality is we intuit about spirituality and about what is good and what is wrong and what is righteous. We intuit that. It is more self-righteousness is all about an intuition. And then us sort of putting that on others, this intuition. When we enter the stories of the Bible, I think it's really important that we enter from different places. So to enter in from the story of Zacchaeus and and feeling the self-righteousness and feeling what that's like and and you and I identifying with those moments when we've experienced that. But if we're really, really honest, don't you have to be pretty self-righteous to judge somebody else's self-righteousness? Isn't it only a self-righteous person who would recognize self-righteousness in somebody else? Doesn't it sound a little bit like Jesus talking about the log and the splinter idea? You see, one of the parts, if I'm honest, why I don't like the gospel, is not only do I not like the people that say they like Jesus and all their self-righteousness. But deeper than that, I don't like the people that Jesus does like. You see, who is Zacchaeus? We don't know what these words mean in our contemporary context, what it means to be a tax collector. But that is the ultimate of being a betrayer. You see, the Romans were masterful at oppression. They knew, they knew how to extract from a conquered group of people the maximum amount of resources without provoking a rebellion. And one of the ways in which they knew how to do that was they would install as the tax collectors, as the chief extractor of resources, The very people that they were oppressing. Zacchaeus is a Jew. And his job is in collaboration with the Romans to extract the maximum resources he can from his own people. And he has the weight of the Roman army behind him. Now he's got some terrible personal story I'm assuming that would make him do that. But just know that when people saw him, he represented betrayal and pain and suffering at the highest level. To me, in our own modern history, it it sounds a little bit like the Vichy government of France. As the Germans conquered and invaded France, they installed a French government that was the puppet of the Nazis. At the end of World War II, 9,000 French people were summarily executed before even a trial. So great was the horror and the wrath and the hatred of those who had collaborated. Your own people, your neighbor who had worked with your enemy. That is Zacchaeus. The Bible does not depict what I believe we've come to in our mind picture, the adorable sinner. Now these are real sinners. Think for just a moment during this election cycle. Wherever you are, It's possible there have been moments that somebody other than you, on the other side of your political perspective, it is possible you have tapped into the idea of loathing. And picture that moment, and Jesus wanting to go to the house unapologetically. Jesus doesn't go, "Hey, I'm going to go to Zacchaeus' house, but hey, just everybody knows I don't agree with him. I'm not. I'm not endorsing anything. I'm just being a good savior here." Just doing my Messiah thing. Watch what happens. I think he's a piece of crap, but hey, I'm just gonna go over to his house and and show you what I can do. You know, usually if you're coming in and and you're sort of the celebrity of a parade and everybody's wanting to see you, you, you would go to the mayor's house or the chief priest's house or something. And he picks Zacchaeus. You just get in touch with what that would feel like you understand why I have at least a little bit of resistance to the gospel. Another reason the gospel is troubling for me is I don't like feeling like a fool. This is an adult man, and I think in my imagination, I don't think it takes a ton of imagination, but I could be wrong, I believe that, that the reason, at least one of the reasons, that the crowd would not let... A short person in to see Jesus had nothing to do with them him blocking their way you see a short person can't block your view like you're, you don't lose anything by letting a short person stand in front of you to see a parade there, there's no harm in that the reason they didn't want it is they just couldn't stand the thought of being of, 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 of this human being near them and so in his sort of desperate attempt to get to see this Jesus he's heard about he climbs a tree that is not something dignified people do. It's a cute story, but it's humiliating. He's an adult. Children climb trees. He's not sitting in the tree going, hey, look at all the cool people around here. Oh, hey, there's the mayor. There's nobody else in the tree, maybe a few kids. There's something about the gospel that it is foolish. Quite honestly, that word is one of the ways in which the Apostle Paul talks about it. It's a foolish story. And that's who the gospel finds purchase with. Now I've, I went to Bible college, I've I, I, I gone to seminary, and this is just me. I, sometimes try to tell the gospel and I, I don't even know what I'm saying. I just sound stupid. Well, it's God who created everything loves you and, and, and he, he poured himself into a, a human body because he loved you, but he, he's not really just in a body, but he's God and, and there's, there's a, well, he's triune, but that's not, but that's a different story. That's his three, but it's one God and, um, and, and he dies for you. And he's offering you eternal life. And, and he wants you to trust that story that I can't even hardly talk about. It doesn't make sense sometimes to me. Come on in. I, um, I believe that the gospel sounds often, resembles more a, a fairy tale than a textbook. But it's the truest, truest fairy tale. It's truer than the textbook. And my, my, my identity with it is, is really not that I can fully understand and explain it. That's not my resistance to it. My resistance is that I have to enter into a story that I don't fully get. I'm not used to doing that. That's what children do. Children will believe things that they don't fully yet comprehend. That's not what adults do. I don't like this idea that I feel a little bit foolish. This story, oh, it's just getting better. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So I'd like for you to... I mean, it sounds great, of course. Again, sound wonderful, nice, nice story. Let's think about this just for a moment before we're too on board with it. So here's Jesus. This is what we know about Jesus. Jesus is um, this itinerant, homeless Maybe shoeless. He owns one robe. One robe. That's, that's his entire net worth, a robe. He has with him, he's got a little band of followers, but none of them, none of them made the cut on the, on the rabbis that were looking for people to be their disciples. These were, all, these were leftovers. They were way too old to be apprentices. The, and, and they're adult apprentices. They just are weird. They're, they're, they're decided. And, 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 and he is smelly, he's been walking, he, he doesn't have, you know, he, he got the perfume once, but that's pretty much worn off by now, I'm guessing. <laughs> we got a, excuse it, but he, we got a, a, a broke-ass Messiah. And he says, hey, I'd like to come to your house. Now, let's think about that house. That's a nice house. That's a really nice house. The Bible doesn't drop in the word rich in the way we do. Somebody has just a little bit more than us, well, they're rich. No, this is rich. My imagination is this is one really nice place with lots of servants and maybe slaves. And, and how did he get every penny that paid for that mansion? By cheating. This guy's family. You see, Jesus wants to come to my house. I want to meet Jesus at Starbucks. I like Jesus. Happy to have a conversation with Jesus. Be great to talk about ideas and things at Starbucks. I will own, I am resistant to the idea of Jesus coming to my house. I don't want Jesus to look in my fridge and see what I do when I'm lonely when I'm scared. There have been times I don't want Jesus to look through my internet history. I don't want Jesus to see my bank account. But deeper than that, I'm resistant to the idea that the gospel is going to invade my soul. In um, In my recovery, one of the process I've now gone through in a more deliberate way, twice, I've gone through the, through the 12 steps. And the 12 steps are nothing magical, but in my mind, and you can research it for you, they capture the living out the gospel. And in, in the 12 steps, there is step four and five. And step four is this inventory. It's brutal. The inventory is sort of me over some period of time writing down all the things I don't want Jesus to see. All the things I've done that I'm afraid somebody's going to know about. Oh, but it gets better because you see step five after I have done that work is to tell God and one other person. My list. The first time I went through this was many years ago. And I was at the time, I was teaching a Sunday school class at a church, an adult Sunday school class. It was my first sort of entrance into transitioning from youth ministry. I thought I would just be a youth pastor all my life. In reality, I am, they're just, the kids are older. But I don't do anything different, just so you know. (laughs) A little side story. But in that class, I had made a new friend, and he seemed like a pretty good guy, but I didn't really know him. And so I picked him to be the one who would hear my fifth step. There is this, as you invite sort of God, for sure God, but this other person to hear this, For me, a few times I've done this, it's hard to go a couple sentences without sort of this emotional damn breaking. It's so humiliating. It's so terrifying. I can't tell you how terrifying it is to anticipate when you've made the appointment and you know what's coming and you know what's on your paper and you know what they're going to hear. I can't tell you how terrifying that is. And I can't tell you what it's like at the end of that. to be okay you know what's really amazing you see what's really amazing is we don't have any record of Jesus going to the house going what the hell is this this is an awful nice house Zacchaeus and you know there's places where I've told people to sell everything well guess what's coming for you my little friend (laughs) you think you want some of this it's gonna cost That's not Jesus' story. Jesus' story is, I want to come home. I want to come into your house and get this. I'll be okay at your house. I'll be just fine. You you, you don't need to run home and in this case, make it look messier than it is. But most of us would try to clean it up right you don't need to do any of that i'll be jesus i'll be okay at your house i want to come to your house i want to see what i actually already see and i want you to be with me as i'm there with you our our, our jesus this gospel is a this gospel of presence Finally, one of my parts of kind of resisting the gospel is I don't like, I don't like admitting I'm lost. The last sentence in the story is, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. If you're married, I bet I can guess one of the worst fights you've had and if you're thinking about getting married, this may dissuade you. You see, I was given by God an amazing ability to always know how to get somewhere. This is my core belief. My wife does not affirm in me this core belief. She believes there are times when I'm lost. I can't tell you how fruitless it is for a person to try to convince someone they're lost when they don't believe they're lost. I believe I might have missed a turn, but I'll fix it the next turn. I can tell you in my early marriage, it has sometimes taken us hours to get to a place that I knew how to get to. Because I was not convinced that I was lost. I, I want to be careful here because I, I love that spirituality is a part of our, our conversations today. In, in the wider population, there is something good happening. No question. But one of, just for me, and maybe it's, I don't quite get it yet. I, I, I love that a part of the, the, the sort of the communal conversation is this recognizing the goodness of God, the love of God as the, as the primary force in the world. I connect to that, no question. Where I struggle sometimes is it, it, it sounds to me, whether Christian or not, that there is, a, is all you have to do is kind of keep unwinding or keep peeling back the onion, and at the depth, at the core, Is this where you're just fine the way you are? Come to find out you are just okay. And and dang, that's just not my story. When I unpeel my onion, I'm going, oh, crap. I'm lost. I thought I was found. And it's not either or, it's not all. There's just something in there about having to go, I was lost. Jesus knew that all along. That's why I say I don't believe that the gospel is linear. I don't believe that I was at one time lost, and that was the whole story, and now I'm all found. I think that's true, but I think that's true for everybody. (laughs) That they're actually found, and they just don't know they're found, but they can't know they're found until they recognize they're lost. And there's times as I actually progress and I think I'm doing better, I sort of lose touch with my lostness. And then when I lose touch with my losses, I lose touch with my foundness. That somehow they, they, they work together. It is not rooting me in shame. In fact, it is liberating me from shame. Because when I have to be unlost because I'm so good at navigating, I can't get there. Because I'm lost. And it's this weird idea, and I'm still trying to unpack it, this weird sense of surrendering to what is true and real. At the same time I am lost, I am, I am more found than I've ever been. You see, it is me sort of owning my resistance to the gospel that once again makes me believe the gospel because it's so true. How did Jesus know that I would always struggle with being self-righteous? So self-righteous that I could see everybody else as self-righteous? How did he know that? And and how did he know that I would never want to humiliate myself? But, But somehow when I've climbed that tree and been desperate enough to do that, I have found and been found this marvelous story. And when I took him home, he did not shame me. There's a lot made you you perhaps noticed that I skipped a little piece of the story. And that was the response of Zacchaeus to the exuberance of being found. Let me read that for you. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Woo! That's a great Christian there. Man, that's a wow. That's awesome. All right, I'll own I'm just cynical. <laughs> Let me read it to you how I read it. I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I were Jesus, I'd go, hmm. How did you get 100% of that wealth? Like, Where did 100% of your wealth come from? Oh, you cheated and extorted, physically abused people, tortured people. You want to give me half? And I love, and if I have cheated people on their taxes. Now, who do you think Zacchaeus believes ought to be the referee on what is cheating and what's not cheating? I bet Zacchaeus thinks he's got a good idea about that. And I'll bet his view of cheating might be different than those he has cheated. And while he might think he's cheated a few, I'll guarantee you 100% of the people in Jericho would go, you cheated me. A hundred percent of them. Now, I'm not saying that in any way to diminish the beauty of this story. What I'm saying is that the way a person begins to live out the gospel as it takes root and they it it changes us. Some people it changes huge moments instantly, and some people it takes a long time. You see, I'm a defender of the bad Christian. Because I just don't know how long the story's been going and what's going to come. And I don't know what, where they started and what's going on. I'm, I want to be really careful about pointing at bad Christians. Because even what seems to be one of the best Christians, I still think is kind of not all that great in one sense. And I like that because that's me. Like to be loved by Jesus and have Jesus in my home. And to be. And to live in the story of the gospel, I don't have to be a great Christian. I surrender. And what he does over time with that, that's an amazing story, but it's kind of his story. Every every story in the Bible is connected to a bigger story. And all the stories are connected in the gospel in some way. And that's why I remember years ago when I was part of a community that always celebrates. And I've almost always been part of a community that, that celebrates the, the communion every week. And somebody asked me, well, God, doesn't it just kind of get same-o, same, old, same old? Like, don't you just get bored? and not they get... Like, I don't know, it's not as interesting. If you do it like once a month, maybe. And I don't care when you do it. I'm, I'm not defending that. I'm just saying for me, no, I like, I like every week remembering the gospel. I like every week being reminded as much as I love the gospel, there's a part of me that doesn't like the gospel. And as I enter and surrender to the story, I love how the fairy tale becomes so true again, truer than it ever was. And that's our invitation today. There's nobody guarding the table. There's nobody refereeing who gets to and who doesn't get to. The beauty of the gospel is we all get to come. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The, the weekly reminder for those of us here at the sanctuary, or for whenever you do it, is this tactile experience, like tasting and, and feeling on your tongue and remembering that Jesus did that for me. And the white cup is the juice. I think that's right. Wake up is the juice. It smells like wine. Is it old juice? No, I'm just kidding. Let's see. All right. No, this one, I can tell already. All right. We got Jesus straightened out. The, um, the brown cup will be the wine. The white cup will be the, the juice. Jesus said this is the blood of the new covenant. This is the, uh, the new covenant. the new deal. This is the new deal. It's not on you. It's on me, Jesus says. It's, it's, it's not for you to figure out or to work harder or to clean up your house. I'll do that. I will make sure that it's finished. My blood is the blood of the New Deal. I, Jesus speaking, will take it all. So today as we come and we taste the body and we taste the blood, we enter into the story that is unbelievably true.